So today I want to talk to you on the topic. If you got something to take notes, I want to encourage you to take notes. And if you have a Bible, we're going to get into the Bible today. I want to talk to you on the topic, keep it moving. Everyone say, keep it moving. Say it louder than that. Say, keep it moving. Tell the person next to you, tell them, say, hey, you need to keep it moving. Tell them, say, you need to keep it moving. Hey, girl, you need to keep it moving. Say it, say it. Go ahead. Go ahead. Say it with some swag. <laughs> David, you just called Johnny a girl. You just, hey, girl. <laughs> Johnny's like, what? Keep it moving. In fact, I want everyone to stand up right now. Just stand up. Come on. Just stand up. Stand up. And I want you guys just to kind of move a little bit right now. Just move. Just come on. Move a little bit. In fact, we got a little bit of music. Can we play some music? I want you guys to move a little bit right now. Come on. Come on. Give me some music right now. Come on, everyone. Just move a little bit. Come on. Come on. Get outside of your comfort zone. Come on. Why are you all shy? Just move. 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 All right. Cut it. 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 Cut it. Cut it. Okay. Take a seat. Take a seat. Take a seat. Yeah, you didn't see that coming, did you? Some of you stood up and you're like, oh, okay, we're stretching. And I was like, move, move. <laughs> Keep it moving. The one thing I want you to know tonight is that in order for you to experience God, in order for your Christian life to become dynamic, you always have to be moving. At any point in your Christian life where you decide that you're going to stop taking steps forward or you're going to stop going outside your comfort zone or you're going to stop going forward is the point where you will stop growing, stop experiencing God, stop having a dynamic life. And God wants you to have a dynamic, powerful, amazing life. The Bible says that Jesus came that we may have life and have it abundantly. But in order for you to have that kind of life, you've got to keep it moving. Everyone say keep it moving. So I want to talk to you out of John chapter 5. If you have a Bible, turn to John chapter 5. Turn to John chapter 5. And then we're going to look at, we're going to look at seven verses. Verses 2 to 9. John chapter 5 from verses 2 to 9. If you don't have a Bible, then that's okay. Uh, we, got, we got it up here on some slides too. I knew, you know. I knew there would be a few people that, you know, you just forgot your Bible and stuff. It's okay. I understand. It's okay. But we're going to read this and we're going to go from this passage today. John chapter 5 verses 2 to 9. Everyone can read, right? So let's look along. I'm going to read it out loud. You just read along with me. Now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool in Aramaic called Bethesda, which has five roofed colonnades. That means five roof pillars that went over the pool. And in these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. One man who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. Someone say that was a long time. Yeah, see, when I say someone, I mean like everybody. <laughs> someone say that was a long time. See, hey, listen, real quick, just a side note. I want us to have fun tonight, okay? Are you okay with that? Some of y'all ain't okay with that. Y'all are like, Really? I mean, come on, like, really? I mean, if I'm going to be here, we're going to have fun. All right. So when Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there a long time, he said to him, do you want to be healed? That's my Jesus voice. 
The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no one to put me in the pool when the water is stirred up. And why I'm going another steps down before me. And Jesus said to him, Get up, take up your bed and walk. And at once the man was healed and he took up his bed and walked. Bow your heads, let me pray for us. Father, I thank you for Emmaus KU, God. I thank you for what you're doing here. And I thank you for each person that is here tonight. I thank you, Lord, that you love them. You desire to encounter them. You desire for their lives to be filled with life abundant. And so, God, I pray that tonight, God, you would move powerfully in their lives. Lord, we just thank you for your grace. We invite you, Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Can we turn me down a little bit, though? I feel like I'm like Darth Vader. Like, I'm like, what's going on? What's going on? What's going on? Just turn me down just a little bit. Thank you. So, this story, all right? So, we see in this story, can we put it back up there on the screen? Uh, We see in this story that there is, Jesus is on his, we all know who Jesus is, right? You know, you ever seen, you don't know who Jesus is? He's like, he's got this robe, he's got his beard, everything. He heals people. He died for us on the cross. I'll talk about him more later. But Jesus is walking through Jerusalem. And so he's walking through Jerusalem. He's healing people. He's doing amazing things. He's setting people free. He's healing people of demonic oppression. He is doing some amazing things. And then Jesus gets to this place called Bethesda, right? Now he gets to this place called Bethesda. You can take that down now. He gets to Bethesda in Jerusalem and it is the pool where everyone hangs out, okay? So he gets there and there's this massive pool. There's this massive pool there and it's called Bethesda. Everyone say Bethesda. And I'm gonna teach you some Hebrew. Bethesda in Hebrew means the house of mercy. It means the house of of grace, the house of mercy and grace. And so Jesus is walking around and after a while, I guess it's hot outside. He's like, Hey guys, with his 12 disciples, let's go to the pool. So they go to the pool and as they get to the pool, they find that there's all these sick people that are laying around the pool. Everyone's not laying around in their like swimsuits and stuff like that. Like people are just laid out around the pool. And the reason why they came to this pool is because this pool called Bethesda had some particularly special qualities. Bethesda was a place where apparently, where it even says in the Bible, if you look in your footnote, that it says that Bethesda was known to be a place where God would move supernaturally, where particularly an angel would come down from heaven and then they would stir up the water so the pool would become like a jacuzzi. You know what I'm saying? Like, no, think about it. I want you to envision it. Use your imagination. And then the pool starts to swirl because an angel comes. And whenever someone can get into the pool, if they get into the pool, whenever it's jacuzzi going, then when they get out, they're fully healed. And so Jesus walks up and he sees all these people. And he comes to particularly this place where there's testimonies of healing. It's a place where there's testimonies of people encountering the power of God. This is Bethesda. It's not just like he walked up to the pool that's by the hangang. No, no, this is a special pool. And so Jesus walks up, but as he walks up, he encounters this man. And this man has been there all the time. He is consistent. He comes out to the pool every week, every day, and he's been laying there for 38 years. And he sees people get healed. He sees people experience the power of God. He sees people jump in and they've got leprosy. And then when they come out, they're like fully healed. He sees people who have a headache jump in. And when they come out, they're like, I have no more headache. 
He sees all these things happen. But this man, he hasn't been healed. And so he spent most of his time watching everyone else encounter God, but he hasn't encountered God. You know what that's like? You ever, you ever notice what it's like or you ever had those experiences where it seemed like everyone else around you is encountering God but you? Or during worship when that person over there is crying, but you're like, what are they crying about? Well, ain't nothing going on right now. You, oh, just me? Like, or when it seems like that person next to you is so holy, they're connecting with God. It seems like they have the deepest relationship with God. But you've been coming out to Emmaus every week and it's like nothing happens. You go to large group, you go to familia, you come out, you, you meet with Eunice one-on-one. But it seems like the other person who meets with her right after you touches God. Like, this is what this, guy, this guy's experience was like. Maybe you grew up in the church and it felt like God was real to everyone else but you. But you come because, you know, you should come. Because if you don't come, you're going to feel like a really bad person. Like, this guy, he laid there for, for 38 years. And it seemed like everyone else around him was encountering God but him. It seemed like God was real to everyone else but him. See, when I was, when I was, uh, I was an atheist for, for six years. And when I became an atheist, I was, I grew up in an abusive household, right? So my mom's boyfriend at the time was very abusive and he would beat my mom. He would beat me and just really heavy stuff. And then when I was 15, we moved from where I lived. And during that time, I was like a Sunday Christian, not even a Sunday Christian, a holiday Christian. So I would go to church on Christmas and Easter. Those were the two days out of the year. I felt like I could go to church and not feel guilty. The rest of the time I show up and I feel like, you know, awful. But anyways, and we go and we moved to the most Christian city in North Carolina. Like everyone there loves Jesus, but me. Right. And like everyone stands around the pole and prays before class. Like everyone's got like the I love Jesus, like pins, like they wear the I love Jesus T-shirts. And I was like, what is wrong with these people? Where do you buy these clothes? They don't sell these clothes. Where do you get them? Right. And then and I remember I was I was so bitter because of the life that I lived. So bitter because of the things I'd experienced. And people come up to me and they say, do you want to know Jesus? You know, God loves you. God loves you. Hey, brother, you know, God loves you. I don't know why every Christian I met sounded like that, but that's what they sounded like. Like, hey, do you know Jesus? He really loves you, you know? And I'm looking at all these Christians and they're praying all the time. They're doing all this stuff. And it seemed like, how is it that they all know the power of God, but I am, I haven't experienced it at all. So I was like, I went to church on Easter. Ain't nothing happened. I've been experiencing all this pain, all this hardship, all this suffering, and all these other people get a chance to experience God. What about me? And that's how it was for this guy. He's laying there every day. He knows his pain. He knows his hardship. And he's looking around and he's seeing all these other people. But he's like, what about me? But see, what he didn't realize was that in order for you to experience the power of God, in order for you to have a dynamic relationship with God, you cannot lay around all day hoping for it to happen. At some point, you've got to start taking steps of faith. 
you got to keep it moving. Everyone say keep it moving. That wasn't everyone. Everyone say keep it moving. I, I mean, like, come on, guys. You guys are like right here. I can see if you don't say it. <laughs> Some of you are like, I'm really annoyed with this guy right now. That's okay. I love you. <laughs> you know, like, so I, I imagine if I was this guy and I knew this pool had all these miraculous powers that God would touch me right there. I would have, at some point in 38 years, I would have crawled my way into the pool. I would have rolled. I would have did something to get into that pool. And then I would have came back all the time. But for so many of us, that's not how we live our Christian life. I want to talk about three reasons why we don't keep it moving. The first reason why, and the first reason why this guy couldn't keep it moving is because is he didn't put it up. He didn't see his problems as valid. He didn't see his problems as valid. So let's look at verse three. This is after Jesus is walking up and is describing this pool. And it says, in these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. One man who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. In fact, he didn't see his problems as valid. In fact, the Bible says that he was an invalid who hung out with a multitude of invalids. Now, I'm sure when we read through it the first time, you were like, why did he pronounce it that way? He does not know English. The word is invalid. That's because the word invalid the, the definition of the word invalid means a person who has been made weak or disabled by injury or illness when it's pronounced invalid, meaning that this guy, he was so sick or he was at a place where he was so hurt. And because of that, he was described as being an invalid. But the interesting thing, however, is that the word invalid is actually a reuse of the word invalid. The original word is invalid, right? And what does invalid mean? It means not recognized. It means not true. It means that someone's not being, because of a defect, it's no longer useful. But what began to happen was that this word invalid started to be used to describe people, which meant that they started to call them invalids. And so many people in the church, that's how we are towards God. Because we've got an issue or because something's happened to us or because we have some problem or because something has happened in our lives, we see ourselves as invalid because we're invalids. Maybe like for me, when I was when I first heard about God, I did not think that God cared one bit. People tell me God loves you. I said, God's not real. If God's real, why would he let me go through what I went through? If God was real, why would he let me be homeless? Why would he let me experience all these things? I was like, God doesn't care about my problems. My problems are not valid to God because God only likes those who are absolutely put together. So many of us, that's why we don't step out. That's why we don't, even in worship, I'm not going to, even in prayer, I'm not going to pray. God doesn't really care about what I'm going through. I know David told me, you know, I want us all to just talk to Jesus and I'm just waiting for David to finish. (laughs) For many of us, we don't step out. We don't take a small step to connect with God because we think that God doesn't care. You know, one of the main reasons this guy didn't even just take a small step was because he thought no one cared. 
I've went through this for so long. I've struggled with this for so long. Do you know what happened to me? Do you know what I went through? No one cares. And so we see ourselves as invalid. We see ourselves as because of our weakness, because of what's happened to us, because of what we experienced, no one cares. I mean, this man, he, he spent 38 years of people walking by him, overlooking him, telling him his problems didn't matter, telling him that, what, you, you're sick, you're invalid. I mean, imagine if someone called you that. Yeah, you're, you're invalid. But that's how we oftentimes look at God. We think that that's what God says about us. Oh, so if, because I'm not a pastor, my problems are invalid. I mean, you can say that, Pastor Marcus. He's going to listen to you. You're a pastor. Or because we sin, because we make mistakes. Or maybe some of us don't even think God cares because we're not Christian. The truth of the matter is, is that to God, invalids are not invalid. Just because you've got areas of your life that where you've made mistakes or things or hurts or pains or things that deep inside are really tough does not mean that to God it's not valid. In fact, to God, it says that he's nearest to those who are hurt. It says he's nearest to those who are weak. It says, in fact, he's nearest to those in our worst state. That's when he sees it as the most valid. See, we oftentimes have more faith that God doesn't want to touch us or move in our lives rather than having faith that God wants to impact us powerfully. What, something I realized is that oftentimes when we're going through the toughest times, we have the toughest time asking for prayer. I'm going to say that again. Some of you are like, he said toughest times multiple times. I said, what I found is that when we're going through the toughest times, we have the toughest time asking for help and for prayer. I know one cares. It's like, it's like the same Christian thing that happens all the time. Hey, how you doing? Fine. How you doing? Good. How's everything? Oh, I'm all right. When really everything's going wrong. But you think, oh, no one cares. When the truth is, he does. Jesus came there because he saw this guy who had labeled himself as invalid and he knew that his heart and everything that he's going through was valid. The first reason was he saw his he saw his problems as not valid. The second reason why this guy didn't keep it moving was because he saw himself as paralyzed, not powerful. Let's look at verses six and seven. This is after Jesus talks to him. And we're going to continue on with the story. It says, when Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there a long time, he said to him, do you want to be healed? Now, first off, this sounds like a stupid question, doesn't it? Like, you know, he's been lying there for 38 years. Of course he wants to be healed, Jesus. Why are you going to ask a question like that? But then he says, the sick man answered him, Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. 
and while I'm going, another steps down before me. Oh, me. You know, it's, can't you hear a sob story? It's like, oh, I've been here for so long. No one wants to help me. Oh, no. See, but the interesting thing about this guy, and something that I've heard, I've heard this story so many times. I've read this story so many times. And every time I've read this story, I've always assumed that this guy was fully paralyzed. I always assumed that this guy had no ability whatsoever. He was just lying there and everyone just walks over him. But the truth of the matter is, was that even in his weakness, he still had power. Now, look, look, it says, sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. And while I am going, another steps down before me. Wait a minute, brother. I thought you were paralyzed. How are you going anywhere? You ever thought about that? Wait, wait. I thought that you were, I thought that he's paralyzed. How are you going anywhere? No, no. He had some ability to go. He said, while I'm going, someone else jumps in before me. Meaning that because of one time where he tried to get into the pool and it didn't work out, he assumed that it would never happen. And so many of us are like that. We had that one time where we stepped out or that one time we believed or that one time where we took a small step. And because it didn't happen that one time, we assume it'll never happen again. And we allow ourselves to get paralyzed by disappointment. We allow ourselves to get paralyzed by something that happened long ago. Maybe something happened to you and you you took that step you hoped Maybe you hoped in your parents. Maybe you hoped in your friends. Maybe you hoped that God would do this or do that. And it didn't happen. And then all of a sudden you assume that it's never going to happen. Or that God never wants to step in. He said, while I'm going, another one steps in. And he had assumed that just because one disappointment happened, that it would never happen again. Put the second point back up there. You know, the problem is so many believers are like that. We have one moment where we tried and then rather than continuing to move forward, we give up. The first, like, I'm going to believe, I'm going to go, I'm going to, I'm going to lift up my hands, I'm going to worship, I'm going to pray. And then something hard happens. Or maybe you get disappointed. Or maybe something happens to you that you didn't see coming and then after that, you know what? It doesn't work anyways. I'm not going to, why try why go to why go to large group? Why go why go to familiar? I mean, you know, everything's going good, but then when that happened, why even go? Why even share? Why even open up my heart? Why even do why do this? Why do that? Because of one thing that happened. We give up way too easily. I mean, if I would have you laying there, you know that this pool, he is not like he's not like a mile away from the pool. He's laying right by the pool. Like he is like, he could like, you know, like he's right there. But because of one disappointment, he gives up. Maybe multiple times, but he still, why not continue to move forward? That's why Jesus had to ask him, hey, 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 do you even want to be healed? I know that you've had disappointments. I know that tough things have happened. I know that everything in your life is not working out according to the plan that you set in your mind. But do you want all the power, all the breakthrough, everything that I have for your life? Do you actually want it? 
Because so many times we can get so disappointed and so so depressed and so inward focused. And Jesus is standing there saying, hey, if you won't give up, I still got so much more for you. You just got to keep believing. You got to keep moving. You got to keep going forward. See, rather than taking steps, he was too busy blaming other people. It's because no one else put me into the water. No one else helped me. I'm all alone. Jesus was like, hey, you're never alone. He said, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. He said that he is always there. God is always working. He's saying, don't give up. The Bible actually says that when you sow, when you give, when you step out in faith, you will always reap if you do not give up. See, if you you will continue, if you will start to see yourself knowing that you know what? I'm not some powerless person. I'm not a product of my circumstances. I'm not even a product of my failures. But God has given me power to keep moving forward. You'll find that he's always going to show up big. You know, for me, what happened when I encountered God, it was like, man, I had an encounter with God. I literally encountered God at a bus stop. It was crazy. And and I realized that God was real because yeah, I was encountered at a bus stop. But then after I started living a Christian walk, immediately into my walk, I started experiencing disappointments. You know, the biggest disappointment that happened was, I was like, guys, I share this. Okay, yeah. So, I, you know, the reason I initially came to Korea, I mean, yeah. I, I, okay, so the uh, the reason I came seven years ago was for a girl. No, like literally, like I flew to Korea for a girl, yeah. And, uh, yeah, and, you know, I thought like, oh, you know, she's the Neo to my Matrix, you know. She's everything, you know. And uh, it ended horribly, <laughs> very publicly, very bad. But you know what? God, God surrounded me with people in that moment because I was so disappointed in part because I thought that God existed to make my dreams come true. When the truth of the matter is, is that we exist to make his dreams come true. And that if we would trust him, we find that our dreams are fulfilled when we fulfill his dreams. And what happened was God surrounded me with all these brothers who said, hey, man, you're giving that problem way too much authority in your life. You're giving that breakup way too much authority. You need to move forward. And I found that God just continued to bless me. Right after that was when he called me into full-time ministry. After that was when he, he moved in my life. I saw miraculous healing, salvations. I've been able to travel the world. There's so many different powerful things that have happened in my life after deciding not being paralyzed by what happens. And here's the last one, the last reason why. He spent more time watching than walking. He spent more time watching than walking. What do I mean by that? Uh, Put up the verse again. It says, when Jesus saw him lying there, he'd already been there a long time. He said to him, do you want to be healed? And the sick man answered him, sir, I have no one to put me in the pool when the water is stirred up. And while I'm going, another steps down before me 
another one steps down before me. I can imagine what it was like for this guy. Can you imagine it? You know? He just keeps watching everyone else get healed. You know? He's just laying there, and his his friend Steve, who's been laying next to him for like three years, and then the water starts to, you know, get, get riled up, and Steve gets healed, and Steve just leaves, you know? And then his, his friend, you know, Shaniqua over here, who is laying there, she, you know, she was over there too, and Shaniqua got healed, you know? Like, he's just watching all these other people get healed, and I can imagine what that's like to come to church, to come to large group, come to Familia, walk down the street, and it seems like everyone else is getting the blessing but you. After a while, it feels like everyone is favored by God but you. But if you're going to experience what God has for your life, you've got to learn this one thing. You've got to stop watching everyone else live for God. Watch, watching everyone else's life and start going after God yourself. How is it? You know, sometimes we stand there during worship and we're like, man, that person is getting so blessed during worship. Why am I not? It's because you're watching them worship. <laughs> you know, I, I found this. I, I saw this thing on. I, I explained this. I saw this thing on Time Magazine. I was on Time.com and I was on there and I just was surfing the Internet. And they had this thing on there where you could calculate where you could see how much time you've wasted on Facebook. I'm going to talk about social media for a moment. Can I go there? Can I go to social media? How much time you've wasted on Facebook? And so I clicked it, and I clicked it, and, and it started to calculate. And as it was calculating, I was getting worried. And, and this is what it came up as. Can we put up? It said, you've wasted 44 days, 14 hours, and 10 minutes of your life on Facebook. Forty-four days of my life I have spent watching other people live. Forty-four days, ten hours, and ten minutes of my life that I will never get back I have spent watching other people live. This doesn't even count Instagram. Snap, yeah, it's more like 80 days. That's a month and a half. But you know, as I was, I felt so grieved. I felt so sad. I felt like so much, I felt, but the only person I could blame was myself. And then I realized that so many Christians are like this. We wonder why we're not encountering God. And it's because we're too busy watching other people encounter God. Than to go for him ourselves. We're wondering why we're not connecting with him in prayer and why the person next to us is encountering him in prayer. And it's because you're too busy watching someone else pray than focusing your heart on Jesus. Why is this person getting this breakthrough during familia? Why is this person seem to be getting so healed during familia? And it's because you're watching them be vulnerable instead of being vulnerable yourself. For so many of us, the reason why we've not encountered God is not because God doesn't want to encounter us. It's because we're too busy watching everyone else. I heard this quote by this pastor in North Carolina named Stephen Furtick. 
and he said this he said that the reason why most people struggle with insecurity is because they are comparing their behind the scenes to someone else's highlight reel meaning that they're on social media they're in the churches they're walking around class and they're comparing their they're comparing every detail of their lives every area of their lives that they know is jacked up and blah 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 to the picture perfect that they see of the person next to them theodore roosevelt said that comparison is the thief of joy this man was in the state that he was it's because he had spent almost his whole life watching everyone else get healed rather than pursuing his own healing if you're not careful you will spend your life watching everyone else have a deep relationship with God and not have one of your own If you spend worship more concerned with what the person next to you is thinking rather than what God is thinking. If you spend prayer more concerned with the person next to you hearing your prayer than whether or not God hears your prayer. If you spend your life constantly watching other people live, you won't have a life to look back on. Jesus said it like this. He said that eternal life is knowing him. Not watching anyone else live. Eternal life is knowing Jesus. And what he's called what he calls you to do is to start taking steps that direction. So many of us, we just compare. And compare and compare and compare. This guy was laying there with Jesus standing right in front of him. And when Jesus says, do you want to be healed? His answer is talking about everyone else. So many times... Jesus is right here. He's right here in large group. His presence is here. And many times we're too busy thinking of other people. See, Jesus came that we may have life and have it to the full. Not that we might watch other people have life to the full but that you might you know comparison is the thief of joy and something else I heard even it was funny today I was in a meeting and one of our pastors Pastor Joel Kim was talking about different things going on in his life and steps that he wanted to take to further our media ministry and he's like you know what I find myself battling the paralysis of analysis I was like, I had never heard that before. That is clever. That rhymes and everything. And it's true. 
we find ourselves analyzing everything, analyzing this, analyzing other people's lives that we ourselves are paralyzed. You know, my, my fiance, Anna. Ooh! 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 She, like a lot of our friends, uh, whenever we're traveling or on buses or anything like that, she has like car. She gets car sick, real easy, and so she can't be on Facebook, and she can't read. She can't do any of that. She can't be on Instagram when we're moving, because if she does that, it'll make her sick. And the interesting thing is, for many of us, it's a similar thing. You can't do both. You can't watch other people live and also move forward yourself. You can't connect with God and worship if you're watching everyone else. You can't go deeper with God if you're spending your life watching everyone else. But the interesting thing is, he had these, you know, he was... He didn't think his issues were valid. He he thought of himself as being this man who's too paralyzed to move forward and and he constantly was watching other people. But Jesus Jesus's response to him was so so interesting. Can we put up the the first slide with all the verses up there? Jesus looks to him and here's what Jesus says to him. Can can you put it up there? Yeah. You you don't have it? Well, Jesus says to him in verse 8, if you can look, if you have it, you can look too. Jesus said to him, get up, take up your bed, and walk. He came to Jesus with all these excuses, all these things like, man, this has happened, this happened. And when Jesus looks at him, you know what he says? He doesn't say, oh, what was you? I'm going to just step over you and keep going. He says, hey, hey, just get up. Just get up. You would have thought that it would have been like Jesus would have been like, you know, oh, he would have like got out some candles. He would have opened up a Bible like he would have been like, you know, let me get some oil, you know, Jesus doesn't do any of that. Because oftentimes the steps to transformation are easier than we think. We think it's going to take like. Oh, I need to be prayed for like 50 million times. And then I need Eunice to meet with me every day. And I need like, you know, and I know she didn't have time, so I'm not going to worry about it. My, my problems aren't valid. It's fine. Whatever. Jesus just looks at him and he's like, hey, guy, hey, just get up. Get up, take up your mat and walk. Doesn't that sound like ridiculously easy? It's so easy. It's insulting. But that's how grace works. It's so easy, it's insulting. That's why many people don't do it. Wait, you're telling me, I'm sure he was laying there like, wait, you're, you're not going to like at least pour a little bit of oil on me? Like, you can do any. Like, you could put five loaves and two fish on me. You can do anything, Jesus. Like, touch me. And let, let, let your robe, like just wave your robe over me or something. And Jesus is like, no, just get up. 
I know you've had disappointments. I know you've been watching other people. You feel like I've never seen you before. But just get up. And as the man just, hey, he starts to get up. Wait, oh, snap. Starts to take one small step, another step, another step. You know what happens? Each step, he gets stronger. He says he was healed. Fully healed didn't take a huge prayer meeting it didn't take 50 million people saying oh. it just took some small steps the first time I heard God's voice was the first time I lifted up my hands and closed my eyes in worship and just began to give him my heart first time I saw my prayers answered you know the first time I prayed for someone it was wild. I I didn't know how to like prophesy. I wasn't like, oh, thus say it, this, thus say it, that. I was like, I feel like, I feel like God's saying he loves you. And I don't know, man, it's so random. I just got this random picture in my mind of a rock. I don't, yeah, he's like a rock. And I opened up my eyes and the person's like crying. And I was like, well, Okay, either they are emotional or what just happens with it. And they were like, man, that's exactly what I needed to hear. I was like, what is going on? The first times where my life changed, it did not happen through boom shakalaka kind of moments. You know, it all was made open through just taking small steps. Taking a small step to come to the altar taking a small step to ask for prayer, taking a small step to lift my hands and close my eyes and actually sing with my heart to God, taking a small step to read my Bible and pray in secret. Those small steps changed my life. The small steps for that man, 38 years was changed with just getting up and walking and just moving. We started out moving and you guys look really awkward I'm going to be honest all right? some of you guys look like you've never danced before in your life but I know you can dance don't be insulted I'm just saying okay we can work on it after sometimes the first steps are awkward the first movements are awkward but if you don't take them if you decide you're going to continue to watch you'll never know if he would have never got up he would have never known that the healing was right there See, you don't experience your breakthrough just laying and waiting for God to touch you. You experience it by saying, I'm going to take small steps until I get there. Amen. Can we bow our heads for a moment?